0: Yeah, no, I'm lucky that my computer even runs this podcast, let alone a game. So.
1: Hello and welcome everybody to level two of the Geekscape Games podcast. This is the vanishing of Drive Club: Isolation. Um, I am Shane O'Hare and with me we have...
2: Uh, last time I checked my name was still Derek.
3: Um, the state of California still recognizes me as Juan.
2: (laughs) And my parole
0: officer still addresses me as Josh Jackson.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right
3: on. And we
1: are the, uh, the host of your favorite podcast. Now, um, this is episode two. Um, we had some great feedback. We appreciate everybody listening and commenting. So, um, you guys want to bring anything up from last week that we want to talk about? Maybe a little monster hunter Mega Man thing there, Josh?
0: Oh yeah, last week how I was complaining and whining about how Mega Man wasn't in it, and then lo and behold, uh, like a day or two later, they revealed the Mega Man costumes for uh, Monster Hunter. So, I'm running out of things to complain about. <laughs> but
1: now, uh, what, um, what did uh, what? Now I'm I'm kind of confused because they you you have, can you can have felines now in this one. I come with you on hunts, and there's a different um, armor for your character. What specifically was? The Mega Man armor and what was what character was it for?
0: Um, it's for one of the felines, as far as they've said or as far as they've shown. Um, they haven't shown any actual armor for the hunters themselves, but uh, in regards to the um, to the actual costumes, yeah, it doesn't seem like you're going to actually be able to play with them. But it's better than nothing, at least.
1: Yeah, yeah, and um, I, don't know, I was excited for it. I just thought it was really funny when it came up. I literally was like, wow, Josh is eating his words.
3: Yeah, pretty much. You know, leave it to oh. Capcom to give you Mega Man, but not let you play with it. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, maybe that's just the absolute bare minimum. It's like, ah, you know what,
3: we'll give it to him, but you can't touch it. There's going to be a game where your character gets to get a Mega Man game, but you will never get that opportunity in real life. <laughs> that's the only thing that's missing here.
1: So you, your character in Monster Hunter can play Mega Man, <laughs> but it just doesn't work. Nope. That sounds like that sounds like Capcom. Um, so no. let's, well, they might
0: make it a microtransaction. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it, it, it'll actually Mega Man will be on the cartridge, but you have to pay an additional fifty dollars to unlock it.
0: There you go. That sounds about right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, kicking off uh, this week, uh, there was a very interesting. Uh, I guess shot, shot over the bow from the folks over at BioWare over at uh, attacking Ubisoft. They announced that Dragon Age Inquisition um, is going to be released at 1080p on the PlayStation 4 and 900p on the Xbox One. Um, one of the devs was quoted as saying they've, um, let's get the quote exactly what we have, we maximize the current potential for each platform. Um, and it uh, the the Windows version is going to have a pretty big uh, p- uh, requirement for video cards, pretty much um, in parity with Shadows of Mordor, uh, suggesting eight gigabytes of video RAM, which is a lot wow. for a consumer computer right now. Um, but it it after we recorded, there was an interesting quote from um, someone at Ubisoft that I felt like it it was just more of their really shitty damage control, like when they they said that they, um, in regards to the female character in Assassin's Creed, you know, they didn't have time or money to develop the character. But the quote um, they said was 30 frames a second was always our goal. It feels more cinematic. 60 is really good for a shooter uh, or an action adventure, not so much. It actually feels better for people when it's at 30 frames a second lock. Um, what do you what do you guys think about that?
2: I feel like that's a PR guy that hopefully doesn't have a job anymore because that was one of the worst things I've ever read. <laughs> like, <laughs> I I feel, I almost feel like 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 it's it's getting into the whole. Everyone's always though this this is only 900p on Xbox One and 1080p on PS4. Way more than I noticed though it's those extra like 280 lines of pixels. Way more than I noticed that I noticed the frame rate like the big the much a much bigger jump is looking at if i look at a game in 30 frames per second for instance mario kart 8 is a great example of that because if i'm playing four player multiplayer sorry three or four player multiplayer it dips down to 30 frames a second whereas one and two players is total 60 frames the 60 frames per second bump is much more noticeable than a resolution bump in my opinion
1: and 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 like purposely handicapping your game um like make it dynamic make it between thirty and sixty, there's a huge bump. But if you could like lock it at forty-five or something, or make it dynamic, um, and just make sure it doesn't dip below thirty frames a second, would be better than locking it. I just, I think Ubisoft really needs to reevaluate their their PR approaches. Because uh, when Unity was initially leaked uh, earlier this year, it was, you know, and that might have been. There's speculation that it was a purpose leak, but some guy on Neogaf said I was on a plane with a next to a guy that said, Hey, you like video games, work for Ubisoft, check out this and pretty much showed them Unity.
2: And so much detail about it.
1: Yeah, some pretty pretty like it was practically their entire E3 um press release. So I don't know. I I I haven't played at least I don't know. What's the what's the FPS uh for Destiny on the PlayStation 4? Destiny. Is that locked it's at 30.
2: 30? Yeah, they're locked at 30.
1: Yeah, I um I haven't played uh, any sixty frames per second console games, and I, you know I've been playing, you know PC games that can go up to you know one hundred twenty eight frames a second, like on Counter Strike Source or even Global Offensive, if you know you got a beefy card. So I don't, I don't see a difference.
3: I th- I feel um, like I definitely, notice, I definitely notice
2: I definitely notice difference between thirty and sixty. Anything above sixty is, I'm not really seeing much difference, but the thirty to sixty jump is pretty huge.
3: But in, yeah, no, I really feel to like,
2: these, you know, like Ubisoft saying 30 was their goal and, and blah, blah, blah. It's not that 30 was their goal. They just couldn't get anything above that, which is fine, but just don't bullshit about it.
0: Yeah, no, it's just a bunch of PR bullshit again, because at this point, there's no way that they would just aim for 30 on purpose, and the whole <laughs> making it more cinematic thing is just ridiculous.
3: It, it kind of contradicts everything they're saying about how we're going to release games on the Xbox One and PS4. And we'll wait on Wii U because those are next-gen consoles that we're going to put 30 frames per second on.
1: Yeah, it's it's I, they. it sounds like they have two different PR departments making completely um, independent releases from each other and then having to backpedal and fix it post, which is, I, I don't know. We'll we'll see how it comes out. Um, I'm really hyped for Unity. The, the four-player co-op is what sold me on it. Um, I've never played an Assassin's Creed game I didn't like. So at the end of the day, it's not going to personally for me affect my purchase if it's not 60 frames a second, um, but I'm sure there's definitely a lot of people out there that <clears throat> are going to be pissed about it.
0: I'm guessing you never played Bloodlines?
1: Uh, I did not.
0: Okay. It's probably better off then.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the uh, one, one thing that I just wanted to add too is I just think that it's really funny that we're still talking about, you know, 1080p versus 720p and... 30 frames per second versus 60 when I think a big selling point of the PS3 when they first announced it is that it was supposed to be 1080p. And a whole yeah. console generation later, eight years later, we're still not at a point where it's consistent. And we're still selling 1080p as a reason to buy the consoles when that was supposed to be eight years ago.
1: Yeah, and it was it was really interesting that um, they're locking this at 900 when Assassin's Creed 4, the PS4 edition, it came out at... Um, 900 but they patched it up to 1080 and it's the same engine there's not a whole hell of a lot different going on so why why the sudden drop is it I think it's I honestly think it's because the Xbox one it hasn't hit its full potential yet the, the developers haven't you know learned all the quirks about it and they're and Ubisoft just wants to have like a homogenous release over all all platforms well, and it's still think, so
2: it's still so early in all these generations that well like like they said on dragon age we've hit the current limits of the hardware the current limits are are something that are always changing because they're always learning more and more about these systems and and i get that it's different this generation because they are x86 based rather than power pc based and everything like that but i mean there's still there's still so much you know that they don't know about the consoles that well like just look at every every single generation ever going from a launch game to an end of life game like they're pretty stark differences, and you're already seeing that starting to happen. Yeah, but.
1: no, it's it's it's. I, I mean, if you look at Halo Halo Three compared to Halo Four, there's a dramatic jump in in quality, and that's you know a, a fairly early on life cycle game to end of life. Up uh, and oop. Oh, it sounds like we lost Derek. Are you guys still there? I'm, I'm here. here. Okay. All right. Well, Derek will join back in. Um, he I guess pissed
3: the U- Ubisoft pissed PR. Off.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's uh that's what happens they'll they'll get you, uh so moving on back to I guess more system requirements and everything. Um, Shadows of Mordor released their HD pack um, and updated their system requirements for the PC, um, saying that you need to have at least a, a 7970 uh, AMD card or a GTX 670 uh, NVIDIA card with um. Uh, six to eight gigabytes of video RAM, which is huge. Wow! And but, and the the PC version is apparently super buggy compared to the console version. It's just there's just egregious bugs everywhere. Um, so I, I don't know. It, it's it's interesting. I don't. I have a uh, a two ninety X that I got brand new that um, I think is three or four gigabytes of memory. So I, I don't I don't know what. What their their goal is with having these huge, giant, high quality um, requirements on these PC releases? Um, do you guys are you guys heavy PC players? Not at all.
3: Mm. No, same here. I, mm. I
1: I wish that I was. I don't
2: know. I bought a console because I didn't want to have to worry about graphics card and can my comp- you know can my computer run this and you know the fact that I was able to get an Xbox and a PS4 for arguably what a good gaming pc would cost and every like i I go through periods every six months where i'm like i should build a gaming pc but i also don't have the room for one like you know i i I have a big tv and i have consoles hooked up to it i don't have the money to go get a desk and go get a monitor and everything like that too which is why maybe when the steam boxes happen and when they get really good support i'll totally look at that again but i don't see myself getting just a dedicated gaming computer anytime soon
1: yeah if you knew what i paid for my video card you would you would kill yourself Yeah, and i mean i do play
2: like i play i play games on my on my laptop like my laptop's pretty powerful so i do play you know some stuff on there but it's mostly older stuff that i just can play co-op with friends and land party stuff and, and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff but,
3: but. The other? I, I go ahead one oh, i was just gonna say i the last t- i had a pc back in i got for gaming back in 1999 Solely because I wanted to play the Star Wars Episode One pod uh, pod racing game, <laughs> and I got the control like the flight yoke for it. I bought Star Wars uh, X Wing vs. Tie Fighter. It was awesome. I still love that damn game, and uh, it just to me it's it's really expensive to keep up with all that PC stuff. It seems the minute I get it updated to play a game, I have to spend even more money to play this other game. Like I'm buying a console for each game that I want to play for it.
1: Yeah, and that's that's kind of the the big, you know, problem you're running into with uh, PC gaming is that you're constantly chasing this, um, you know, ever expanding curve. But it, it depends. What what I personally do is I buy the absolute highest every couple of release cycles. So my last video card was one that I I got in like two thousand nine, two thousand ten, and I was able to play. You know, the only time that I upgraded is when Battlefield Four came out, and I couldn't play it at Ultra. And I was like, "All right, now it's time to upgrade." So that was that was the cost. But that's neither here nor there. That's that's a conversation for a different episode, different podcast altogether. Because you know, the PC master race does not kowtow to you, filthy <laughs> console pe- peasants. Right. Yeah. No, I'm lucky that my computer even runs this podcast, let alone a game. So. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um.
1: Well, speaking of. Uh, The new curve. PlayStation TV is out now. I was kind of... I was excited for it, but um, I've heard a lot of people complaining that it doesn't even work for streaming games locally. Um, Whereas the Vito, you could do it from off-site. Has anybody else picked one up or read anything on it? Because I'm pretty pretty ignorant on the whole whole release.
0: I had no idea it was coming out today until I read it popping up on Facebook and everything. Um, I mean, it sounds interesting to an extent because, you know, you'll be able to play your Vita games on the TV, you'll be able to have, well, supposedly, from what they're saying, you're supposed to have more streaming capabilities, but, I mean, reading up on it, it doesn't run very, It doesn't run a lot of the key Vita titles yet. Um, like, Hulu and Netflix aren't available for it yet. And, mm. I mean, to me, you might as well just drop the extra $100 and buy a real Vita and be able to take it with you instead of Having like a gimped version, for well, granted, it's half the price, but it doesn't do a lot as as far as the stage that it's at right now.
1: No, does the Vita doesn't the Vita have uh, AV out where you could hook it up to a TV, or is it completely enclosed? The, to
0: my knowledge, I think they removed it. I think the PSP had it, and then the Vita didn't.
1: Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm know, wrong, uh, Derek, but Derek, you were pretty excited about the PlayStation TV. What what are you thinking about it?
2: Uh I wasn't that excited for it. I think it's a decent it's it's like the you main You call me a liar? The, you, you say that I'm a liar? <laughs> the main purpose that I can really see for it because well again as as Josh said most of the Vita's core games aren't really applicable on it because they utilize the touch screens which are obviously something you can't use with the Vita TV. Um the biggest thing is like the remote play, like the fact that I, you know if I have a PS4 in my living room you know, a lot of people have TVs in, in their living rooms and their bedrooms, so if I have a TV in my living room, I can put a PlayStation TV in my bedroom and still be able to play my PlayStation 4. And it is more limited. It's I think it's 720p only, and I think it's uh, limited to 30 frames a second, which clearly isn't a problem based <laughs> on what we've just been talking about. But, um, you know, it's just a, it's an inexpensive way to stop me from having to either buy another PS4 or constantly, like, unplug and, and move my PS4 to another room if I want to play it.
1: And um, is PlayStation Now available on it?
2: Yep, yeah. The PlayStation Now beta, which is still in beta, but PlayStation Now is also uh, on the hmm. uh, the play- play- PlayStation TV.
1: Well, well, it'll be exciting to see where it goes. I, um... it's,
2: it's gonna go nowhere, honestly. The fact that like we're gamers and Josh didn't even know it was available today, like like they're not marketing it. They're not. You know, it's it's gonna disappear. It's not even doing well in like Japan or anything like that. It's
1: and it was it was a huge news uh, news release in in Japan. They made, I made a mean, huge
2: that's... deal out of it, yeah. And it was not it was not overly successful. So I'm it's gonna be it's gonna be the same thing over here.
1: I mean, I I mean, I have a, a Chromecast that I watch TV on, and I have my PlayStation in the living room. So I don't. It's it's not for me. I I don't think it's gonna be for the majority of gamers out there. And with his little, and and with his little, is it is it really that big of a deal to just pick up your PlayStation and move it into the bedroom? Totally, is a big deal. First world problems. Wow. All right. Well, we know that how picky you guys are. Oh yeah. Um. Well, uh, moving on from there. Uh, in our show notes, I have in all caps right here. Fuck yeah, Clementine action figure. (laughs) And it sounds like uh, Mr. Derek here is pretty hyped for what I have to personally say is a terrible looking action figure. Why are you so excited for this? Because it looks absolutely Uh, awful.
2: First of all, the action figure looks great Um, is my first point. Second point, Clementine is probably one of the best video game characters uh, ever, if not in the last decade. Um, And again it's it's just it's crazy to me that there's so many people like like i get asked all the time like hey what's well, like what's like your favorite game of the last few years or whatever and like pretty it's pretty much like when i think of memorable games of the last few years like the the first season of the walking dead game is is by far number 1 and clement you know a big part of that is clementine and her character and and the growth that her character sees over it you know she kind co- she goes from a scared little girl on the first episode to at the end of this, the second season she's a total badass basically but still a child um so i'm down for an yep. action figure it's from McFarlane toys it's gonna be rad it's coming in two variants you've got like a clean version and you've got like an a, a version that's all bloodied up um which is cool and they just announced it at New York Comic Con last weekend, so there's no pricing or release info yet. But I'm not a big toy guy, but I can't wait to put it on my shelf. Yeah,
1: I I, I don't know. It, it, looking at uh, Josh uh, and Juan, have you had a chance to take a look at the the pictures of it? Oh yeah, it looks like at it
3: like Frank Miller's Dora the Explorer.
1: Yeah, it it looks like someone cosplaying as as Clementine. I think. I mean, they could have done a whole lot better with with the cast and. I mean, they make good high-quality toys, not to bash on its durability or poseability, but it just doesn't look like her. It's seriously like someone cosplaying as her and just give her a hammer and a gun. So, I don't see the hype. I don't see the hype.
3: That is a mighty realistic-looking hammer, though. It
1: is. That's <laughs> Well,
3: that's,
2: the to- the, I feel like the figure is also its more of a realistic portrayal, whereas the game, of course, it's very angular and, and all cel-shaded yeah. and stuff like that. It's they, they definitely didn't trans, translate that into the toy. Um, it, but it totally looks like it. It's not a cel-shaded video game version of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that would probably be hard to translate into
0: a figure, so it could probably give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt for that.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I just, knowing and seeing some of like the McFarlane toys' past work, I feel like they could have done a whole lot better. It
2: could still be a prototype as well. You think? I don't know they that they didn't have a lot to say about it. They couldn't tell us when it was coming out, so I feel like if it was really close to being out, they would have said so
1: mm. I don't know i i I only played the first episode of season one. I'm waiting for the the two seasons to come out on the PlayStation four, which is later uh, this month later this month, and I want to play it with my girlfriend because um i feel like a super narrative driven game
2: it's it's a phenomenal i know jonathan like jonathan like laura would get mad if jonathan like played the new episode without without her because it was it is it's like well it's like a really gripping episode of television except you are you know what happens in the episode is in direct correlation with the choices that you make and so yeah. it's it's a great couples game because it is like... It's just a way to experience this amazing story. And, and like Jonathan said, and I totally agree, like the game is the best version of The Walking Dead. I read the comics monthly. I watch the show, which had a phenomenal premiere last week. And if I, if someone was like, you can only ever experience The Walking Dead in one way, the game is by far the best way to do it. I even have like... like I even got some of my like old co-workers at my previous job who... Like, never really played video games before, like... But were big fans of the show, like, playing this game on their iPhone. Like, through through to its completion.
1: Really? Yeah. So, it, it's... I mean, it's it's obviously a good game, and it's a good story. It messes with I- you, man. It's
2: it's an emotion. You get really attached to these characters, and you feel... You you feel responsible for it. Because the choices that you make sometimes are life-or-death decisions.
1: Yeah, and I had... I had season 1 spoiled to me a few weeks ago. I am so fucking pissed at Reddit. As much I, as
2: as much as you feel like you may be spoiled, there's so many other big things yeah. that happen though that you don't know about that are going to fuck you up just as much.
1: Yeah, but I don't know. I cuz I played the first episode and I was engrossed with the characters that were there and I had a pretty big season 1 spoiler, so yeah. Blah, blah, blah. That's my own that's my own thing. I'm definitely going to pass over this action figure. Sounds like Derek is going to pre-order it right away. So and I don't even like toys. Wow, what the fuck? You don't like toys? You don't... Are you, You're on the wrong podcast, man.
2: Didn't we say that last week?
3: Yeah. Can you say one? I, I'm just thinking... I'm looking at this toy. I I know there's going to be plenty of people that are going to be excited to get it. Um, I, I'm just thinking about Amiibos and how they're going to just destroy my bank account.
2: Didn't they yeah, already it. destroy? Oh no, because they you don't get charged until they ship, right? So- right. <laughs> so yeah, I already have my
0: money set aside for that two hundred dollar um, vice statue <laughs> from Skies of Arcadia. So that's pretty much my toy budget.
1: Wait, so what's 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 this coming out two hundred dollars? Oh no, it's a
0: it's a statue of vice from Skies of Arcadia from the Dreamcast.
1: Oh no, I played that on the GameCube. That was it was a GameCube game. I don't know what you're talking oh, about. Oh yeah, I played <laughs> it on
0: GameCube too, but apparently I missed out on a lot of good. Extra stuff that was only on the Dreamcast, but whatever. It's a GameCube game as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we are almost at the halfway point. So, uh, Josh, uh, you have the floor. Tell us all about the new um, stuff coming out for WWE 2K15 and Sakurai's uh, very controversial response to his criticism.
0: Right. So, I mean, first of all, uh, for any wrestling fans out there, um, as you know, WWE 2K15, even though it's the second game by under 2K's banner since THQ went out of business, this is the first one that they're fully developing and taking charge of. So one of the things that they're adding to the game that hasn't really been in the previous one is uh, to have the wrestlers curate the soundtrack. So this time they're actually getting John Cena and Wiz Khalifa to collaborate and put the soundtrack together in addition to getting John Cena to record two more exclusive tracks and dusting off his old rap career, if you could call it that, that he had about 10 years ago. So <laughs> those tracks, I don't know if you guys listened to them, but those tracks have already hit the internet, um, just kind of oh no. bringing him back into the swing of things. So, I mean, I was a shameless owner of the first, John, or the only John Cena album, um, <laughs> and it definitely brings me back to 2005. I mean, even though, it, honestly... Objectively, it's not that good, but anything that'll take yeah, me think. back to a time but where John Cena was like a badass white rapper instead amazing. of whatever he is now. So,
1: Yeah, I, um, reading about this story and not being completely aware that John Cena had a rap career, uh, career, I was reminded of Bruce Willis's pop record, uh, The Return of Bruno. Oh, God. Oh. So I went and dug that up and like cruised to that for a little bit and was I don't know it made me want to go watch Hudson Hawk which is um I think everybody if you're a big Bruce Willis fan check that movie out it's Bruce Willis plays a thief and it's a musical
0: oh my god that
2: sounds uh, awesome really
1: yeah and he like sings through all of his heists and they even had an NES game that was completely oh
2: I do that's where I've ever seen that title is the NES game
1: yeah <laughs> yeah and
0: it's funny, too, because so, wrestlers um, aren't... It's like, Macho Man had a rap album sometime in the 90s, and I think Hulk Hogan... I found a Hulk Hogan CD at the 99-Cent Store once. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they're out there, and apparently there's an audience because they're bringing it back, but who knows? We'll <laughs> see how it turns out.
1: I mean, wrestling is a, is a huge industry, and their games always are su- successful, and they're fun. I'm, I've never played a wrestling game I didn't enjoy... But that being said, I don't go out and seek them out every year. Oh right. So, yeah, they used to. I mean, they're they're fun. It is a blast making some crazy, crazy characters to have them fight. Um, and that that's going on with they have face scanning, which hasn't. The last time I saw a game that had face scanning was, um, uh, uh, what the hell, the Rainbow Six uh, Vegas. Where you could use the the Xbox camera to take a picture of your face and put your character in the game. Oh, right! But but uh, 2K15 Wrestling and NBA both have face scanning that's out now. Um, that you guys listening have to go find some of these pictures. We'll have some links in the show notes. But I don't I don't think I've ever seen funnier, ho- more horrifying stuff than I have in any of these pictures. <laughs> The the software is just mangling these people's features, and it was it, it very hilarious results. Does it ever um, do a
2: good job, or are they all terrible?
1: I I haven't seen one that was successful. There was um the YouTuber JonTron. He released a vine where it it got his face, but it it shifted all of his features to like the lower jaw of the character. So his eyes are where his upper lip should be. And, I mean, it was... I guess it was the most successful scan I've ever seen, but nobody's going to be sharing their, like, oh, look how good this game scanned me. They're going to show the ones where their face is completely inverted, and there's a there's a hole in their forehead.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've oh, only wow. seen a couple of them, but some of them are really, really terrifying.
1: Yeah, it's some funny stuff. We'll definitely have it in the show notes, because everybody needs to be subjected to this horror. Um, So... We're almost at the halfway, and I want to get this in um, the um, uh, Sakurai's response to the criticism and Smash Bros. and Josh, bring us through the Pokemon stuff uh, real quick.
0: Right. So, as far as the Sakurai comments um, in regards to people who were complaining about uh, Dark Pit, Dr. Mario, and Lucina being pretty much straight clones of Mario, Pit, and Marth, um, he basically compared it. Well, I'll read the direct quote here. It says. Uh, the clones are, or in this case, the clones are like a free dessert after a, luxu- a luxurious meal that was prepared free of charge. In a restaurant with this type of service, I don't think there's anyone who would say, change this to a meat dish. Yet, I'm told <laughs> to do that about Smash Brothers, but I guess a lot of them are children. It cannot be helped. So
1: Wow, that's pretty...
2: I totally that's... freaking agree with him, though. Like, if it's a matter, like, they've spent so much time putting these characters in and bouncing them and if it's a matter of sure you can have dr mario but he's gonna have the same moves as regular mario or you cannot have dr mario at all take the freaking clone yeah and it's like, I don't... like like it's either that or i have to build him in the me creator like
0: right because to my understanding i think he was saying that all three of them are originally alternate costumes so they would have been in regardless and not taken up a, like a character slot but Basically, they separated them and gave them small differences, pretty much like the previous Smash games with, uh, you know, with the whole Young Link and Melee and that kind of thing. Like, I guess my only issue with it isn't so much the clones. I mean, Dark Pit's my main, so I'm not really complaining about clones in and of themselves. But, I mean, and it's an issue also with Kamiya and his uh, Twitter, even though it's hilarious. But, I don't know, it just seems a little off-putting to me when developers will go out of their way to kind of just like put down people that are criticizing them. Cause I mean, you know, in an industry where you're servicing millions of people, you're not going to please everybody, but to kind of stoop down to their level a little bit and start calling people children or telling people to fuck off like Kamiya does. I don't know. It's just, it turns me off a little bit. It's like, to me, it would be better off to just either address it or ignore it, but not kind of act like the
1: trolls that you're complaining about, I guess. Does that make
2: sense? <laughs> that is a fair point. It makes sense. That is true.
1: Yeah, but I, I'm i in the, the opposite camp. I think it's badass that he made that comment and responded because the... And I guess you're right. It is a vocal minority that are complaining about it and you just ignore them in any of these situations. But the the video gaming consumers never really know what they want. And then a great way to, to um, describe that is... There was like a like a 4chan story that floated around a few years ago that was like from the point of view of uh, Shigeru Miyamoto, and it, it was pretty much like, oh, I made Wind Waker, I made Wind Waker. Um, you guys hated it, you wanted a, a big mature game, so I made Twilight Princess. Then you hated it and wanted something like Wind Waker again, so I made Skyward Sword, and then you wanted something like Twilight Princess again. So, and that's, that was pretty much, like, spot on with the narrative is that everybody's, like, they they're so stuck with nostalgia goggles, Mm -hmm. um, that it's really, you know, besides, you know, Phil Fish making his, like, really, really shitty, vitriolic comments, I it's, I don't know, I think it's refreshing in, in, in the industry where it's easy to have a narrative with the developers, like on Twitter, or, like, you know, just social networking, it's, I don't know. I I was happy with his quote. The only
3: I just think of it, and at this time, it's it's like I am getting annoyed with. I I want Roy back. I want Mewtwo back. Why isn't Mewtwo back? If you were Sakurai and you were actually taking these, you know, comments seriously, like, oh wait, give us Mewtwo. Alright, Mewtwo's in. Give us Roy. Alright. Uh hey guys, what if I add Green Ninja? No, fuck that Pokemon. I want Mewtwo back in there. Alright, so let me get this straight. You want Dr. Mario, you want Mewtwo, you want Roy back. Nobody else. So you want melee back. <laughs> <laughs> so just go play melee. I mean, that's all it is. Look, if you want melee HD, that's something else. But the the, the consumers aren't gonna buy melee again. That's only for that little competitive scene hardcore base, but everybody else wants something new. I don't mind the clone characters at all and, and I like and there are subtle differences, but that's fine. It's nothing that's gonna make me throw uh, a copy of the game out in the freeway and record it like some stupid youtuber did they bought <laughs> really? a, they bought a copy of smash 4 for 3ds they says man this this game is garbage fuck this trash and he threw the game out the window in the freeway
1: well that's fucking stupid. wow but they just do that, that for it's, attention yeah i and mean then, his, his his point was made but his dollars still went to it so it's a lose-lose for him oh
3: and then it gets better because then people post like hey dumbass you just threw away your game you know if you're gonna throw a game away why don't you just give it to you know some kid or give it to somebody else who could actually play and enjoy it and then he was laughing saying like oh look at all these mad people and somebody wrote back well yeah we're mad but probably not as mad as somebody who would be upset at a game and throw it out in a fucking highway (laughs) not to that level
0: yeah no that's that's stupid that's like those videos yeah. of people buying systems on launch date just to break them in front of everyone who is still in line. It,
3: yeah, it's just. I mean, if people want attention, do be do something creative. I mean, it just goes to show that you know you have to break buy something and break it, and you think you're like pushing the envelope. Wow, that guy's insane. No, it's God, you're stupid.
1: Yeah, I never, I never really got the whole like busting consoles or releases on release. Um, one funny thing that uh um, mega sixty four always did um was like the past few Halo releases always there was always a Cabela's hunting game being released the same day. So they had this reoccurring skit where they were the Cabela's developers uh pissed at Bungie and they would go to GameStop or call GameStops and be like you need to postpone the Halo release <laughs> and you know put put that a week after and they would go in their costumes and you know wait in line and buy Cabela's while everyone was there for Halo. And that was admittedly a lot. You know, it's still a stupid skit, but it's admittedly a lot better than going and smashing a five, 600 dollars piece of equipment that some that the dude at the back of the line potentially is sol. Right.
0: And then one and one last thing about clones, the only clone I really have a problem with is Ganondorf still being Falcon, pretty much. But that's it.
1: Hmm. Alright, well, duly noted. I will um, get Sakurai on the phone and let him know your complaint. Oh yeah,
0: definitely. I'm sure he'll listen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep, uh, we still got a f- we still got a few more things on here. Um, I did want to talk um, about the EA Access real quick, Derek. Um, uh, Plants vs Zombies Garden Warfare is coming to it. It is, which is a
2: freaking fantastic game. It's probably the game I've actually put the most time in on my Xbox One. Um, the EA Access is just an interesting thing in general because it's like it came out. Well, it it wasn't anything special when it came out, which was a number of months back. Uh, now, but it was a it's like thirty bucks a year. EA basically provides a bunch of discounts to to, to new titles. You've got they often do like I think you had access to NHL twenty fifteen like like a week before it came out for a, a little while or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, and you get access to a bunch of EA titles for the duration of your subscription. Like at, when it started, it was like very like only a few like a couple sports games. You got Battlefield four and you've got uh, Need for Speed Rivals has been added in there since then, and now they're starting to add like you know better stuff like you know for instance Plants vs Zombies Garden Warfare, which is a fantastic title. But Sony, and it's, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Sony said you know EA Access was going to be open for both Xbox One and PlayStation users, and Sony said no because it wasn't a good value. Which it's it's a service like it's a constantly evolving service even if it wasn't the greatest value at the beginning which like I probably would not have paid the 30 bucks at the beginning because I already own Need for Speed Rivals and I don't have any interest in any of the other games that they were offering it is a constantly evolving service and now you know if I could get it on my PS4 I already own Garden Warfare for Xbox One but most of my friends play on PS4 so if I could get that as part of the subscription that would be amazing but Because Sony deemed it, now I can't, you know, now I can't have access to any of this stuff.
1: Now, do you think when EA Access came out, was PlayStation Now even announced? Yes, it had been. So, I think that's, I mean, that's, you know, obviously why they thought it was a poor service, because they want to keep the money in their ecosystem. And are any EA games on PlayStation Now beta, as I'm looking at it right now? I don't think so. Hmm.
2: Interesting. And those ones for sure wouldn't be, because they're not even doing... Like they're starting with PS2 and PS1 and PS3 titles, so the PS4 stuff wouldn't be is not going to be there for quite some time, as far as I've I've heard.
1: Yeah, and I um I heard an interesting or read it. I can't remember where I got the information from, but it was from somebody at Sony uh, that their pricing um is they have various pricing uh, tiers for all their stuff. Um, in this example, they have their PlayStation Plus as two separate pricing tiers. And their PlayStation Now has four separate pricing tiers. Um, and it's very for each game. And I was noticing it when I... Uh, um, and it, it, it clicked with, with, uh, with me last night. I was looking at my uh, what you could get on PS Plus, And a month of PS Plus is nine ninety nine, And three months of it is $17.99. And looking at their entire pricing model for PlayStation Now. So uh, Alpha Protocol on PlayStation Now. You get it for four hours for two ninety nine, but seven days for five ninety nine, and they're they're purposely trying to get people to go for that middle price point. And this is what this guy from PlayStation said: is they're they they know that the the lowest tier is a, a really shitty price, and it's you're not getting enough product for what it's worth. So they're purposely pushing people up into the next price range and you know it's eight eight dollars six dollars for a game for seven days is what you would expect if you were renting it um at like a brick and mortar store or say uh red so it's pretty yeah that's totally pretty... i'm
2: totally fine with that seven day pricing yeah that four yeah. hour pricing or whatever is bullshit but yeah. i mean it's not it's not something that only sony does like if you look at like your great if you like like xbox live for instance like in canada you're getting a three month subscription for 24.99 or you're getting a 12-month subscription for, you know, 50, 50 bucks. Like, it's very much the same thing. Like, I, you can get that other one. Like, you know, maybe you just don't have the money, or you just really want the, the shorter subscription or the shorter time period. You can get it. They do offer it. They're not sticking you into a certain price. But nobody, nobody in their right mind is going to get the three-month subscription, and no one in their right mind is going to rent a game for four hours when it costs them an extra dollar or two dollars to get it for seven days.
1: Yeah. What do you, um what do you guys think Juan and, and Josh I I I could see I could see the the appeal for a 4 hour game if you want to try it but if you're going to go get it on PlayStation now you're going to already be fairly sold Yeah I was going
0: to say who would even I mean like you guys were saying it's pretty much just to push people into the next tier and make it look like more of a value but I mean who would even want to rent a game for 4 hours and especially at that price I mean you can't even really get much done Depending on the game, but you know,
3: you would get halfway through the tutorial.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or if it's like, I don't know, if it's like God of War, you'll be mostly done with it, but I mean, it's, (laughs) but I guess it depends from game to game.
3: It would have to be some short indie game, you know, that you can, like you said, you could finish like in an hour or two, but yeah, that's pretty much it.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, and like some of the games that are on here, uh, like the Back to the Future. Um, games from Telltale. You can only get it for ninety days. Each episode is four dollars for ninety days. So they have they have a weird pricing structure. Yeah, here. I'm excited
2: for the service. In any case, like like I was actually a big user of uh, OnLive when it was uh, kind of in its in its heyday, um, mm-hmm. and it worked fairly fairly well. And it's it's just an exciting way for you know to kind of. Like, I I kept my PS2. I don't have it anymore, but I still have my PS3 and and, and everything like that. But it's just a cool, easy, and, you know, typically affordable way to be able to kind of play these old games again. Because stuff on, you know, if I want to play, you know, Silent Hill 2 now, like, I own a physical copy. But if I wanted to pick one up, like, that stuff gets expensive on eBay, uh or or Craigslist or whatever and to be able to pay like the 7 bucks and just be able to play it for a week which is for most people probably long enough to play through it um yeah. you know I'm excited for that
1: and I'll I'll be happy to see where now that I'm a PlayStation owner to see where it goes um but I I don't know I'm pretty m- middle of the road like I I the individual don't really care it, but it, it, there's in any
2: case it's just another way to get access to your games which is never a bad thing
1: yeah, and then hopefully you could play it on your PlayStation TV. You know, fingers crossed. So um, let's move into what we've been playing this past week. I um I want to touch on the vanishing of Ethan Carter super quick. Um, I beat it last night. Um, I full full disclosure, I did beat it with the aid of a walkthrough. And you son of a um, bitch. <laughs> I I, no, I feel really dirty. <laughs> But I wanted um, I wanted to get it done for this podcast, and it's um, it, first off, it's a beautiful game. It's in the Unreal Engine, and I've never seen the Unreal Engine this gorgeous. And I'm pretty sure everything is completely pre-rendered. But when I loaded the game up, um, you know, I turned all the settings to max. So I had a pretty good PC, and I walked out and saw the first skybox looking over this lake. I Literally, my jaw dropped, and I screamed for my girlfriend, like, "Come here, look at this!" And the first words out of her mouth when she walked in the room was, "Wow, that's really beautiful." And this is the a shining point for this game is that it's so pretty, uh, and I think it, it's going on Steam for like twenty bucks.
2: Yeah, I think not so. that yeah.
1: not, not that expensive, and it is worth it for the the environment. When it's made, it
2: was made by some of the old Epic Epic Games developers, wasn't it? Like some of the Bulletstorm people.
1: Yeah, like yeah. That.
2: So it's got like really good developers behind it.
1: And it's it's definitely not my game. Uh it's like Myst on steroids or <laughs> Riven or like those point and click games. You you play a supernatural paranormal detective and you're coming to this town because this, char- this character Ethan Carter wrote you and he said that, "Hey, I there's paranormal stuff going on. I've heard about you. Come and help us solve uh, what's going on, and there's the the story is kind of interwoven between stories that um, the character Ethan Carter wrote and like in, he wrote like sci-fi stories, and you would live this sci-fi story like in the very beginning, you have to chase a guy in an astronaut suit through this this field and then you get abducted and you're in space, and then when that's, that scene is over there's a you find a note on a ground. That's like his little short story that he wrote, and you know what he was dealing with with his his family being really mean to him, like he had an older brother that you know would trash all of his stuff and make fun of his stories and it's at the very beginning of the game, it says this is a super intense narrative game. it is not going to hold your hand and when i I played it just as a cursory introduction before, I wanted to sit down and cruise through it, and I I got hooked. I was wandering around, I came upon this uh, murder scene, and you have to find like bits of pieces of uh that uh, different objects that were involved in the murder, and then um once you collected all of them, you could go into like this ghost realm and find these different scenes that led up to the murder. So in the the first murder there was a a guy getting a weapon and then a the in, uh, altercation with the the, the victim and the guy, and then, like, what happened. And then you had to put them in the right order, and then the scene would play out for you. And this happened um, when you came to any dead person. There was about f- two, three, or four dead bodies that you came across. and But I played for, you know, about an hour and a half, and I got stuck. I just got stuck, and I turned it off and went to bed. Well, it turns out that the moment you get control of your character, I missed the first puzzle. It was right there. Like, I was practically standing on it. So this game is really, really going to to be a tough game. It's going to be like missed all over again. Um, there was a part in the mines where you have to solve a puzzle, and what really sucked is because my cursory introduction to it was I thought it was very much very PT, a first person survival horror. So the whole game, I'm I'm on fucking edge. I'm ready for shit to jump out at me, and there's you know stuff that that made me jump and startle me, but it wasn't scary. It was just noises. And the atmosphere in this game is amazing. The music will crossfade in real, real gently. Or when you're getting to a puzzle, it'll just cut real sharp. And then you'll notice that the music's gone. Um, and the the storytelling, the story is kind of, um, eh, it's okay. I mean, it was a fun story playing through it. You probably wouldn't play through it again because it's, uh, you know, like mist. You wouldn't play. I don't know. I, I didn't play through mist more than once. Uh, and, and then the story ended up being just okay there was a co- there was some cool stuff in it but i would i I would get it purely for the graphics and I- enjoying the the atmosphere because it was so incredibly atmospheric My biggest complaint though is that I finally got used to the fact that oh there's gonna be no jump scares. there's no spooky monsters coming out at me and i'm doing this puzzle <laughs> and all of a sudden is the the only fucking time there's another person in the game I'm like oh, is that a person? And the person dematerialized, materialized in front of me. It was this like undead, spooky guy and he then threw me at the beginning of the puzzle and scared the shit out of me. I, I jumped out of my chair, my headphones went forward. It was like 4 in the morning, pitch black, and I finally got the, the heebie-jeebies because the game was really atmospheric. I was in this dark mine and I, I was so pissed, so fucking pissed, but I crushed through it, finished it. I think Everybody should give it a try and, and give it a play because um it's it's worth it for the atmosphere and the the, the play mechanics are pretty cool too. So. so
2: is it one of the better games you've played this year then?
1: Uh definitely. I wouldn't say it would be in like my top top ten, top five, but it's um if I had to put my gaming uh catalog into a better or okay or worse category, I would say it's better. It was I enjoyed every minute of it. I do feel like I cheated myself a little bit by going through the guide because I probably put a total of three hours total playing it with the guide, but you could easily like the area where, where you're in the mind trying to solve a puzzle. You have to, you have to find a code and then there's a side puzzle where there's like rooms that are like shifting around from like one house to the other. And it's definitely get out a notebook, start taking notes, oh, wow. um, draw some pictures and it it's, it's a big callback to the old point-click game. So if you've played Myst or Riven or like any of the Journeyman series where you know, you're know you solving some pretty tough puzzles, you're going to love this. And it's, you're not on a track. You're completely free-roaming. So you'll be walking around, and you're like, oh, I want to go over there. And you'll eventually get to that, that location. Um, and what's, what's interesting is at the end of the game, at the very, very end, you see a, a drawing of the, the world like the the world that you can have access to. And it points out all the puzzles that you're presented with. So if you miss a puzzle, you can't air quote finish the game. And then you're like, okay, I need to go back there, find the puzzle and then solve it until you can get like the, the actual ending ending. So I, I would suggest everybody pick it up. It was, it was amazing.
2: So what you're saying then is uh, I should regret sending you this review code.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh you definitely should because um it sounds, am, sounds
2: pretty freaking awesome.
1: Yeah, I would grab it. I would grab it and I know that like Josh, you need to find a friend with a really good PC and then put it on his machine. Oh, no, and Megan play it.
0: has a really good gaming PC. I'm just not allowed to touch it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, well. That's, that's that. Um in the vein of I guess First Person Spooky Games, Alien Isolation came out. Um, I missed the boat on it. Didn't really. And I know Derek has the same opinion that Colonial Marines kind of screwed a lot of people over. So I I missed it. But has anybody been, been playing it? Has I, has I
2: picked it up. I picked oh, it up. Oh, you did I, pick it up? I did pick it up, yes. Uh, okay. Well, you know, and it's it's very much. I haven't played an alien game in years. I like. I remember. There, I remember playing a few good ones way back in the day. But you know, it's been a, it's been a number of years since I've even watched the movies, which I'm now planning on doing again uh, with Haley because she hasn't seen them. But you know, this game, I I, I saw. You know, I, I I got invites to things at E3 and at Comic Con. You know, like go sit in the egg and play with Oculus Rift and stuff, which I regrettably missed um but that was the day you were hung over right uh i don't want to talk about that but uh, <laughs> but uh i'll never forgive you for that but uh that's a different hey, podcast I didn't,
1: I didn't put a drink in your mouth and put a gun in I your head i think that you might drink. have
2: i don't remember you but you might have. i don't think that was a gun <laughs> um so in any case i so think these he reviews, actually
3: tweeted that
2: <laughs> he tweeted a photo with a gun and like, his hashtag, hand hashtag
3: gun drink. at my head
2: uh so these reviews start coming out for this game and they're like like a lot of these reviews start saying like this is the best like like big budget survival horror game that i've played in years is what they're saying and i'm like we meant like we talked about last week i'm a big survival horror fan and it's been something that's really been kind of indie only for the last few years in terms of like these horror games that are actually worth playing um so I, I started actually watching, you know, watch, I watched a couple of like let's plays and just to kind of see what the atmosphere and stuff was like. And then I'm immediately just like, holy crap, I have to pick up this game. So, you know, I went out to, uh, EB games, um, cause they were the only place that actually had stock left of the game. And I picked up a copy and it's, it's, it's pretty unreal so far. I've played it, but I've put probably about three, th- two to three hours in so far. Cause I just picked it up a couple days ago. Um, atmosphere is absolutely incredible it's a really it's got a really like slow burn opening which i am actually a big fan of you're basically the plot is you it's set something like 15 years after the disappearance of the nostromo um you actually play as amanda ripley you're ellen ripley's daughter in the film who she she goes to she gets on a ship uh she's going to actually retrieve the black Box from the Nostramo which had just been found. Um, it's on this other ship called the Sevastopol, or something like that. sounds sounds very Russian, but um, it's kind of this old ship. It's actually about to be decommissioned, so it's all kind of dilapidated, and and there's not a lot of there haven't been a lot of people around because they're slowly shutting the ship down. Um, but they, you know, obviously something goes wrong. Uh, you're stuck on the ship. Trying. Has, it, has
1: anything ever gone right in an alien movie?
2: No, no, it hasn't um it's like the uh, the ripleys are cursed or something like that but uh so you're stuck on this ship you're basically basically your objective at the beginning is like come make contact with the ship that you were like we're docking with um and then it shit starts to happen like you've got the an- you've got the working joe androids that start to go bad and then like i've literally just had my first encounter with the xenomorph and it's freaky as shit. Like this, it, it's, a very diff, it's a very different, it's very different alien experience because in a lot of the previous ones, like you're big Marines and you got guns or whatever and you can just shoot them down. Um, there's only one alien in the game and you can't kill it. Like you literally have to try to avoid it. If he sees you and can get to you before you get like, get in a get into a vent or anything like that like you're dead and you have to restart at the last save it, it, it doesn't have a checkpoint system it's got save like old school save points um, like
1: the typewriters and resident evil kind of stuff yes
2: yeah like you have to get to a save point to be able to save it you don't just like you know you're not getting a checkpoint every 30 seconds so there's no real like risk in doing anything like i've lost like 20 minutes of progress at a time because you know i i missed a save point and then i had to go back like an entire one But the atmosphere is great like you I I really got like a System Shock 2 Bioshock feel in the first bit of it because you know the people that were living on this ship before the alien came and shit went down. The people were not happy because their home was being decommissioned their jobs were being lost so you've got the spray paint all over the walls and and you know the lights are all broken so it's just very very it's it's got that like kind of dystopian kind of wrecked city. Um, feel like you definitely get in in the Bioshock games, um, which I love. It's one of my favorite series. So uh, the sound is phenomenal. I actually just picked up uh, Future Shop, which is like Canadian Best Buy, just had a great sale on the PlayStation Gold wireless headset. I've never actually played a game with a headset before. Um, So I picked up this headset, which has like the virtual surround sound and everything like that. It makes such a huge difference. Really? Like I like it the, the game's pretty terrifying i i but the sound the like like going from the sound coming from my speakers to being actually like in my ears and surrounding me like ups the intensity of the game by a lot like i am jumping jumpy as shit when i got the headset on whereas it might not affect me even that much when i'm just listening to the tv speakers it, it makes a huge difference and um i would definitely recommend the game again i'm just getting into like the alien portion biggest complaint with reviews is they say the game's a little bit long um it runs about 15 to 20 hours depending on how you play and they're saying that it could be could be called back a bit you're doing a little bit too much backtracking and stuff like that which i obviously haven't ex- experienced yet but they basically say like whenever the alien is around you're on the edge of your seat because it's like you you know you're trying to get to the next to the next save point because you if you die you're you're fucked and it and
1: oh uh, finish up it, I, I gotta it, to add it to uses
2: that. some really good it uses really good like depth of field effects and stuff as well which is cool you have like a motion tracker which is pretty much ripped straight from the film um and that's kind of how you see if the alien has has come out of a vent around you or anything like that but you got to be careful because if you get to, if he gets too close while you're using the motion tracker that he can actually hear the motion tracker and everything like that it's it's pretty freaking cool and it's uh yeah like it, it's definitely one of the most atmospheric games i've played like probably since bioshock infinite
1: yeah and that, that's what i've heard too one really cool thing is that the xbox version um the Kinect will read your heart rate because they can you know read your body temperature and it will watch and listen the the, yeah, the playstation
2: you... one does that too i should have mentioned that yeah if you because if you have the playstation camera which is a it's this is a horrible freaking thing so there's a setting you can turn it on or off But there's a setting to basically it'll have your mic on, and if there's any loud noises in the room, it may or may not alert the enemies. So if someone like walks in your room and like yells, like the alien's gonna fucking come eat you, and that's horrible. Why would I want that? That's That's terrifying.
1: (laughs) I I think that's that's amazing. Next next step in gaming. Oh, it's very
2: cool. It's like a definitely like a fourth wall breaking thing.
1: Yeah, and that's and that's what uh, one thing I love is. Games messing with um, the player outside of the game. That's why um, I think uh, Silent Hills is going to be amazing because there was that in the demo, there's a part where it crashes and you start over and you like, yeah, oh, yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I, I'm waiting for one of my friends to get an Xbox One so I can run in and just go, Xbox off. Yes. Right in the middle of them playing. And if anybody's listening to this, I probably turned somebody's Xbox off <laughs> just now. <laughs> so that's that's fun. Um yeah, um I don't know. I I might pick it up and check it out, but I I never been a huge alien fan and you know, it seems way too spooky for me. It's
2: it's pretty too too spooky for you, huh? Yeah, uh, too spooky. <laughs> it uh it's very spooky. And I, and again, I haven't I I remember being a I was a big alien fan when I was a kid, but it's not something that I've actively thought about in a number of years and it's just a it's just a great game and 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 it is something that it really does make the the you know the alien has sort of become a joke in it's you know in its last film not being uh overly stellar and in the fact that in like the alien versus predator films which are pieces of crap they're you know they're essentially just animals that the predators hunt or whatever so it's kind of yeah it's become something that really is not meant to be feared but it it definitely makes the alien terrifying again because you are you, it's
1: kind of it's it's kind
2: you're absolutely it's kind of
1: nice. a punchline it's it's become a punchline yeah, and in... this,
2: this very much gives you the opposite feel like you are absolutely positively helpless against it like your best your are you the best thing that you can do is hide and hope it goes away without seeing you because if it does you're fucked
1: yeah and that's why i don't think i want to play it <laughs> um let's, it is not let's go it through...
2: is not as scary as pt by a long shot
1: oh. All right, well, I'm really hyped for PT, but we'll, we'll see. Um, let's just cruise through our list real quick, because we're slightly over. Uh, Drive Club, the PS version, PS Plus is still not out. No,
2: and um, apparently the retail game's fucked now, too. Oh, is it? It's just having major, major server issues. Like, like, to the point where, like, I know I saw Polygon today actually said that they're going to consistently update the review for score for the game because of the fact that it's not working right now, so they actually lowered their score because, you know, there's nothing that you can do because the servers still are not working correctly.
1: Mm, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, the the game, I don't know, that's, that seems like a really, like, clickbait kind of approach to it. Um, you know, oh, our, our, our score is going to fluctuate until it's playable, I mean, it's...
2: But, I mean, I the game came out a week ago, and you still, most people still can't get online, like... Sure, it's, sure like Sim it's, City,
1: it's like SimCity. It's like SimCity Four all over again. Yeah, pretty
2: much. Except, except Drive Club's better, probably. <laughs> yeah. So, we
1: can we can, so we, can, we, can we can we can talk about that more. I'm I'm hyped for it. Um, I'm gonna try to snag it when it comes out. We should out talk free. about it
2: every week until it comes out.
1: Okay. All right. That's it. That's that's our our new um, host presenter mission objective is talk about Drive Club. Um, let's uh, go through the um, last thing real quick. Juan, is there anything new you've been playing the past week or? anything that um you're kind of hype about that you want to get into
3: um me and the wife just finished hyrule warriors and uh i i gotta admit i really enjoy the production value on that um but my next big purchase is bayonetta 2 i am really psyched about that game i've been waiting such a long time for it um i can't wait it's it's on my list it's getting such good reception too which is
2: absolutely fantastic yeah and it's well deserved. Yeah, but, it, you know, platinum games. Oh no, King I was guy?
0: just saying, and it's well it seems well deserved because Platinum Games have always been really solid and then the first bayonetta was fantastic, so I'm just ridiculously hyped
2: after seeing all the reception coming out. Well no especially yeah. the fact that it freaking comes with the first bayonetta again is awesome.
3: For the same price as a regular game. So sixty bucks you get both Bayonetta games
0: with all the bonus costumes too
3: and all the all the extra costumes
1: yeah and and all the extra costumes and everything so i uh i don't have a wii u yet but i think that's definitely a a a first day pickup um josh is there anything you've been playing that you know we haven't touched on Uh, i know you have skylanders in here um do you want to talk about Um, that real quick yeah i've
0: been playing a lot of both disney infinity 2 and skylanders trap team and uh so far they've both been pretty good i mean Skylanders I feel like it's a bit of a step back. It's really glitchy and doesn't really improve any on Swap on uh, Swap Force, which I think is partially because Vicarious Visions developed Swap Force whereas they went back to the developers of the first game I believe for Trap Team. So it's better than the first two Skylanders, but it feels like it's a step backwards compared to the previous one. But I haven't dived too much into it yet, so we'll have to see how how it plays as it continues through, but um, as far as Disney Infinity, I've as far as the single-player content, I've had a ton of fun with it. I haven't really dived into the toy box yet, but the Avengers set is a pretty big city, especially when you consider that it's kind of like a game with multiple hats where it tries to serve a ton of different purposes. So, I mean, the open world, all the different characters are a lot of fun to play as. Um, the extra ones that you can buy separately... Not as much. I mean, the Guardians of the Galaxy set's really fun, but it's I finished it in like three hours, whereas the Avengers one I'm still not done with, and I probably clocked in about six or seven. And then the Spider-Man one, I haven't really. finished that yet, but it's kind of just more of the same as far as the Avengers with an open-world city, whereas the um Guardians of the Galaxy one is more of an action platformer. So, I mean, Spider-Man kind of feels like a retread, but that's the one I've played the least of, so I'm definitely intending to get back to that. But I mean so far between the two, I would probably say that I'm enjoying Infinity a little bit more, but not as but I'm not enjoying either one as much as I enjoyed Swap Force from last year's last year's Skylanders. So I mean
1: And you you are like the resident like collectible toy game guy on Geekscape. Um what what's the big appeal? Are the games themselves enjoyable? Um or is is it purely just like Gotta catch them all, gotta have I all mean, the I mean, it's a mix.
0: Like, with Skylanders, that was more Megan's thing, and I kind of got dragged into it, obviously. So, we both kind of agreed that the first Skylanders game was an interesting concept, but the game itself wasn't that good. It was just a really repetitive dungeon crawler. Um, Giants, the next one, Giants, really didn't do anything to change it. But uh, Swap Force was the one that finally turned it into a game that felt like a proper platformer, which had a lot of variety. And uh, whereas this one feels like it's taking a bit of a step back, like I said. Oh, one thing that I just remembered, too, is um, one of the things in the way that they keep getting your money is, like, each Skylander... There's, like, so many different elements that each Skylander is a part of. And each one, like, each element can only open certain doors, which basically makes it so you have to buy at least one of each type so you can access the full All game. Around. But the new one has these new characters called trap masters which are smaller than giants but they're bigger than all the other ones and now the gates in the new game can only be opened by trap masters of each type so it's like you can still play with the old ones but they don't really open anything they're kind of just useless now
1: oh that's bummer that's yeah so really it's pretty shitty. much
0: like if you want to access the full game you have to buy one of each new type and all the old ones are just there for essentially extra lives um, on, and on top of that, there's mm-hmm. apparently two new elements that aren't even revealed yet that you can't access through the game at all, even if you buy everything that's out. And they're supposed to come out with those either at the end of this year or early next year.
1: So it's like on-disc, so it's like on-disc DLC. Yeah, that's pretty much all that uh, all both games comes.
0: are on-disc DLC, essentially. But you your DLC comes with like a cool little toy to collect. But I mean, Disney mm-hmm. Infinity, okay. I felt like the single-player content in both games were better than Skylanders as a whole, because it was more of a variety. Like, each set was a different type of game, but it was really it was really buggy. And it, like I said, Swap Force is, the third Skylanders game is probably better than all of them, but overall I'm enjoying fin- Infinity more than Skylanders.
1: All right, well, uh, all right, well uh, we're waiting your report for next week uh, when you get more into it, because I'm really intrigued with what these games um, are. And I think it's brilliant on both those those games for money. Um, but we are over. Um, so let's go through our uh, mission objectives from last week. Um, uh, listener submissions. Uh, last week we said, what is your gaming guilty pleasure? Um, we got a few submissions that were uh, of note. Um, Raymond S. sent in. Um, his gaming guilty pleasure was Dragon Quest, Kobe's Adventure, And basically, it's um, like a Pokemon-style game set in the Dragon Warrior universe. Um, And he said, I pretty much played the shit out of it over and over. Um, It had these magic keys at the end of the game that would generate random worlds with the sole purpose to find another magic key, more or less an infinite grind loop. I don't know why I liked it so much, probably because one white fire from my Mr. Slimy wiped the other team. I felt like a god. Um, so that's that's definitely a game I w- would never think would be someone's guilty pleasure. We got a lot of Call of Duty's. Um, I guess a lot of people are embarrassed to be playing Call of Duty. Um, Rhett M on um, a Facebook gamers group said Call of Duty Ghost. Same with uh, Dylan T. They um, they don't know why they play it on the console, but it's just something that they gotta sit down and go through. Um, which is you know I can see how it's kind of like the black sheep of the, the gaming world. Um, so, yeah. Any thoughts on, on those? Has anybody played the Dragon Warriors game? That one's not Dragon Quest
0: Monsters, is it like that, how it was ported over here, or is that something different?
1: Um, What I found out is they ported it to uh, the 3DS and the PlayStation as Dragon's Quest Monsters. Oh, right. So they, they, they changed the name when they okay, brought it over yeah, here. I
0: remember that game coming out but I never played it myself, but I figure I already sink hundreds of hours into Pokemon, and I didn't need another Pokemon-type game to eat my life away. So, <laughs> But, I mean, it always looked pretty good. Yeah, uh,
1: I definitely want to talk to you about oh, yeah, Pokemon definitely. next week. And uh, the funniest one we got was from Sam S. Uh, he said, Destiny. I hate every minute of it, and it stresses me the fuck out, but like a crack addict, I just can't get enough. <laughs> so, um, our um, uh, mission objective this week... Um, is if you contracted Ebola, what would your very last game you would want to play be, uh, Derek? You go first.
2: Um, for so for me, I think that as we've established already, I'm a big horror fan, and uh, I was you know Silent Hill is my favorite series of all time, and it it remains that even though the last number of games have been absolutely awful. Um, I've still played them. I'm. I, I, I. can see Silent Hill: Book of Memories for the PlayStation Vita from where I'm sitting right now. Um, so my final game, and it actually fits kind of with the theme, because uh, of course Hideo Kojima said that they were aiming for a game that would make you crap yourself. Um,
1: it would fit with your disease. It would so. fit with my disease.
2: <laughs> so my game, my final game before I passed on from Ebola, would be the new Silent Hills. And I would probably crap my pants, just like Kojima wants me to. So,
1: <laughs> okay. Um, and nobody would blame you for it. Um, Juan, what would your last game on Earth be? uh Oh, did we lose Juan? Hmm. I think we might have. Oh no, I think we might have. Okay. Well, well, yeah, yeah. He just logged out. So, all right. Well, uh, Josh, then, what would your last game on Earth um, be?
0: I was thinking about it quite a bit. Um, and I think I have to go with the safe answer and just probably pick my favorite game, which is Kid Icarus Uprising. Um, that's just, I don't know what it is. It's just the writing, the presentation, the adjustable challenge, the countless collectibles, and the online, which I thought was all phenomenal. Like To me, that's like the closest, I mean, you know, control, I never had an issue with the controls. I know some people did, but um, to me, that's the closest that I've ever played to a perfect game. And it's something that I've... Really? It's like... It's a 15-hour act third-person shooter, and I've somehow sunk in... I think my playtime is at, like, 110 hours on it, and I still haven't found everything. It's just such a huge... Wow. It's just such a huge game that has a ridiculous amount of replay value, and it never feels like you're replay... You're trudging through the same levels over and over again. There's, like, always a new way to approach the stages. Um, all There's... Different dialogue that changes depending on what equipment you're using in the same stages. I mean, there's always just something to keep it fresh. And, I mean, a third-person shooter where 120 hours later and I still haven't seen everything into it. I mean, that's something that I would definitely want to yeah, keep that's, on. Yeah, that's
1: saying a lot. That's saying a lot. Um, and, uh, oh, let's see if we can add one real quick. Uh, uh, do do do. Let me just hang up on him. The joys and tribulations of early podcasting
0: and now we could talk crap about him That's before you safe. get him back on
1: oh he called him busy so if we can get him in um i will uh uh let me just go through mine i i thought long and hard about this uh my knee-jerk reaction was probably uh gonna be um counter strike i was like man if i had to play one game probably my favorite game one of the counter strikes but then i thought about it um you're probably going to be in a lot of misery, and you don't want to be stressed out. Um, and Counter Strike can be a severely stressful game where you're just, you know, yelling at the screen, yelling at um, contacts, and you, you know, you're just stressed out. But the game that I wanted to play um, is actually a game that I haven't played completely. I've only played a couple of levels myself, and that has to be Journey. I think Ooh. Journey would be an amazingly peaceful way to go out. The the atmosphere is gorgeous, the music is gorgeous. Everything is is just peaceful. And at the end of it, I feel like just playing a couple of levels, I felt like I got that uplifted like ah, oh, really good feeling. So, if I had to play one game left on earth, it would have to be Journey and yeah. Uh Juan, are you back on uh are you back online? I'm b- back online. Okay. All right. Well, we lost you for a minute. So, we all went through our last game. What would your last game on Earth
3: be? Oh, because uh, if this is uh out of what am I dying or am I being killed? Yeah,
1: off? the dying of Ebola.
3: Uh trauma center. <laughs> 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 that way, I could have. Yeah, this is how it should have been done. Well, it's too late now. Yeah,
1: get that healing <laughs> touch and try to save yourself at the last second. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I put a genuine smile on my face. I love trauma right. center. <laughs> like, why isn't right.
2: there any more?
1: Um, not enough, not enough diseases. We got to go out there and make more diseases. They already diseases. had a spider on
0: the heart. I don't know what else they could come up with at that point.
1: <laughs> all right, everybody, that's been level two of the Geekscape Games podcast. Uh, send in your um, mission objective answers. If you contracted Ebola, what would your last game be? Um, as always, you can find us all on Geekscape.net. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Shane O'Hare, Derek.
2: Uh, I am at D Cranevelt. again. Good luck spelling that. Uh, I'm actually new Joshua. All
1: right. And one, the I, one and only
3: <laughs> I am at the King of Mars.
1: Right on. All right, everybody. It's been a pleasure. Uh, please, uh, comment, subscribe, share with your friends. We're trying to grow and get better, uh, and work out all these bugs, but, um, it's been great having you. See you next week. Thank
3: See you. Yet. Adiós